Good morning. Welcome to Walking with Jesus Through the Word, one chapter per day. My name is Michael Talercio. I'm the pastoral intern of Forest Hill Presbyterian Church. I'm glad that you're joining us today for a look at two psalms, numbers 84 and 85, both son, psalms of the sons of Korah, and we're looking at two of them for day 568. Let's ask for the Lord's help as we look at his word. God, we don't take it for granted that you have graciously gone before us in giving us these psalms. You provided them before we knew that we needed them, before we were even alive. And for that, we're grateful. You are gracious. We acknowledge that. And we pray, Lord, that you, the same God that gave us these words, would help us now to understand them, to see your Son through them, about which the words were really written. And for his glory, we ask that you would transform us to be more like him. We pray this in his, Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we're looking at Psalm 84 first. To the choir master, according to the Giddith, a psalm of the sons of Korah. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts, my soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. Even the sparrow finds a home and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young at your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise, Selah. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, in whose heart are the highways to Zion. As they go through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The early rain also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. O Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob, Selah. Behold our shield, O God. Look on the face of your anointed, for a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in you. What a rich psalm. Such a great picture of what it looks like to trust the Lord. Uh, I'd like to just offer a few comments, first by way of asking a question. What was the first thing that you thought of when you woke up this morning? For me, uh, it was the things that I want to get accomplished throughout the day. That's the first thing that kind of popped into my head, a couple of the key things that I wanted to do today. I wonder what it was for you. Well, my guess is that whatever it was, it was something that's important to you. It's usually what we think of when we first wake up. My guess is also that this psalmist had the courts of the Lord, the presence of the Lord in mind is the first thing that he thought of when he woke up on the day that he wrote this. And probably often because to him, being in the presence of the Lord is important. It's an important thing, not only in terms of its value, but in terms of its determination for how he lives his life. It's central to his joy. And we get a sense of how joyful this psalmist is 
over the opportunity to dwell in the presence of the Lord. Verse 10, a famous verse from Psalm 84, for a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. Now the courts of the temple, which is probably what this psalmist had in mind, are the outermost parts of the temple grounds proper. Uh, It's not inside of the temple, it's outside of the temple. The place where, uh, if you're with us tomorrow, you'll you'll, uh, hear about from 2 Chronicles chapter 4, where we hear about things like the wash basin outside of the temple. And those wash basins were used by the priests for both their own cleansing and for cleansing of animals as needed. The courts of the Lord were where, 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 sacrifices were brought and eventually offered. Uh, And so the courts were the entry point into the temple without an animal for sacrifice. You couldn't get into these courts. You couldn't get into the temple at least. And so in order to really long to be in the courts of the Lord, you had to, in your heart, want to be right with the Lord. And so I think that's fitting for us, just kind of in extrapolating just a couple things for us this morning, to realize that sometimes we have our priorities backwards. We don't want to be in the Lord's presence like the psalmist did today. We can note that just from what we often think about, even when we first wake up. We don't often long to be in the presence of the Lord. But we also have this issue with not really having the right to enter into the Lord's presence. I think of uh, an issue we're having at home here with some little sugar ants getting in. Every day I come home and, you know, I know people sometimes set traps and I'm not against setting traps, but sometimes they set traps and they just let the ants go. I'm somebody who wants every one of the ants that I see done. I want them out of my house. And if that requires... A little crushing, I'm willing to do that. Um, I don't want any of them going astray, whether I set traps or not. And I thought, as I was kind of preparing to share a little bit about this psalm, how that is so true for what we deserve if we were to try to go into the courts of the Lord. If we were to try to enter his presence, that's what we deserve. Just like those ants get killed by me every time I see one. We deserve that from God for the ways that we have treated him. We go into his presence sometimes reluctantly. Sometimes it's just because we're at a church service and it's the thing to do. We don't long for the courts of the Lord like the psalmist did, even though we should. And even when we do show up, we don't deserve to be in his presence anyway. But for Jesus, we would be lost and we would be much like those ants. But thank God for Jesus. Jesus is the sacrifice who is offered to enable us to enter God's presence. And what a gift that is to the soul. Even without the psalmist really knowing Jesus personally, he saw through to God's grace in the midst of this opportunity to meet with him in the temple, to be in his presence in the courts of the Lord. And it's such that Knowing God in this way, being able to enter his presence, gives great blessing to wherever we go, whatever we do. You see here in verse 5, Blessed are those whose strength is in you, in whose heart are the highways to Zion. Now God puts those highways into our hearts. They're not naturally there when we're born. But for those who understand who God is and trust in him, blessed is the one who trusts in you, verse 12, 
God, for those people who trust in him, he puts the way to Zion into our hearts. And that leads us through all of the different circumstances that we encounter. As we see here in verse 6, we go through the valley of Baca. Baca there just means weeping. It's not translated, but that's really what it, what it would mean, the valley of weeping. What happens as we go through the valleys of weeping in our lives? Trusting in the Lord, especially as we look to Jesus? Well, we make those places of weeping places of springs instead. The early rain covers it with pools. We go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. As we go toward God in Zion, we're blessing those otherwise arid and waterless places with showers of water. Uh, we, are, we are making a way as we go toward God in Zion, looking to Jesus, the one who enables us to enter God's presence, we make those uh, barren wastelands full of life, full of rejoicing, um, especially as we share uh, with others who occupy these barren wastelands, these arid places. We, we, we bring life to them with the springs of living water the word about Jesus and the Holy Spirit who will fall on his people as people hear about him. Uh, Psalm 85, to the choir master, a psalm of the sons of Korah. Lord, you were favorable to your land. You restored the fortunes of Jacob. You forgave the iniquity of your people. You covered all their sin, Selah. You withdrew all your wrath. You turned from your hot anger. Restore us again, O God of our salvation, and put away your indignation toward us. Will you be angry with us forever? Will you prolong your anger to all generations? Will you not revive us again, that your people may rejoice in you? Show us your steadfast love, O Lord, and grant us your salvation. Let me hear what God the Lord will speak, for he will speak peace to his people, to his saints. But let them not turn back to folly. Surely his salvation is near to those who fear him, that glory may dwell in our land. Steadfast love and faithfulness meet. Righteousness and peace kiss each other. Faithfulness springs up from the ground, and righteousness looks down from the sky. Yes, the Lord will give what is good, and our land will yield its increase. Righteousness will go before him and make his footsteps away. Well, Psalm 85 kind of takes what we just talked about from Psalm 84 and puts it into the context of real life for fallen people like us. We rejoice that Jesus makes it possible for us to enter God's presence. But we still have to recognize that we don't always live in his presence as we should. Even once he makes that way possible, and even as we have opportunity constantly to come back to the Lord, we still sometimes and perhaps often foolishly take the alternative of going back. In the words of another place in Scripture, we go back to Egypt in our hearts rather than, as we just saw in Psalm 84, toward Zion. And so the sons of Korah have that in mind as they bring this psalm before us. They start again with the Lord's grace, that he was favorable to his land. He restored the fortunes of Jacob. They have in mind here an occasion, apparently, in which God was gracious to his people, even despite his people's sins. He has forgiven the iniquity of his people. He's covered all their sin. We talked about that with the temple and the sacrifices. As they were looking forward to a day, 
and their time there, there was these sacrifices that were made. And God covered their sin, not through those sacrifices, but through what the sacrifices ultimately represented. And in that process, God withdrew all of his wrath. He turned from his hot anger toward his people. They were blessed, and their land was blessed along with the people that occupied it. And yet the people still live in the land, and they still live as people who don't always come before the Lord as they should, who create more opportunities for the wrath of the Lord to be kindled against them. Because they are living prior to Jesus Christ, there's this sense in which these people need salvation still. And in fact, that's actually true for us who are in Christ. If you're in Christ, you've been made right with God in your status, in your standing, in your relationship with Him forever. Legally speaking, you are right with God because of Jesus Christ and the what we call the double imputation of Jesus' righteousness being given to us and our sin being given to Jesus. We are made right with God in an, with an alien righteousness, as Luther called it. It's extrinsic to us. It's, it's not intrinsic. It's not in us. It's in Jesus who earned it for us in our place and gave it to us. But we're still living in a way that displeases God. We're still sinners. We still need to be cleansed regularly, regularly from our activities, from our heart motivations, from the ways that we live. And we call that sanctification. And God is in the business of both. He justifies his people. He makes them right once and for all, forevermore, through his son's righteousness. But he still now, through his Holy Spirit, enabling us to actively live according to the salvation that he's provided in Christ. We call that sanctification. And so as we read this psalm, we have to keep that in mind, that we, like the psalmist is describing here, Israel, the people that, that he's part of, uh, we have continued to live in a way inconsistent with the justification that God has provided. We still need God to rescue us. He is the God of our salvation. And so we ought to ask him, just because we don't deserve it if for no other reason, to continue to be gracious to us in Christ, to be revived again, where he would be drawing us back to himself, that we would hear what the Lord speaks to us regularly, daily, that it would impact us, that it would transform how we live. And we have these great words uh, of, of a reminder here as the psalm ends, steadfast love and faithfulness meet, righteousness and peace kiss each other. You see, those two aspects are helping us to see that there is this righteousness that we've been granted by the Lord, but there's also this peace. There's also this question of, are we living according to that righteousness? And God is, again, willing to give us both of those things. So let's, let's remember these things about the Lord because of Jesus and what he has provided and what he continues to provide through his Spirit we can actually praise the Lord and, and say with confidence, yes, the Lord will give what is good and our land will yield its increase. Again, the land was blessed because the people were blessed. So if we're blessed in Christ, the land that we occupy or really the, the interactions we have in this world that God owns, <laughs> it will be blessed as well. They will be blessed as well. 
Righteousness will go before him and make his footsteps away. See, righteousness, the righteousness that we have in Christ, our justification in Christ is what really frees us to live uh, sanctified lives. So let's reflect on Jesus now as we go to him in prayer, to his Father, to the Spirit, as we go to this triune God who has made this possible for us, this salvation that occurred once and for all for God's people and this salvation that continues to occur for us as well. And the salvation that we look forward to one day when we're with God in person, we call that glorification. Let's, let's thank him and ask him to help us to think about these things and rejoice in them throughout the day. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you have given us in these two psalms, these pictures of glorious beauty, Lord. You're the courts, the temple of the Lord, the way that you are uh, enabling us to be a blessing as we go throughout life to those dry, barren places, Lord, around us, where we would otherwise fear that we're going to thirst uh, to no end, Lord. You have provided the waters, of the living waters, the, the life-giving waters. Your Son, your Holy Spirit, Father, we are so grateful, O triune God, for what you've provided for us. And yet we still sometimes live opposite of how you would call us, how you have called us to. We ask that you forgive us. Continue to be gracious to us, Lord. Help us to see, as we saw, that you will give what is good because you already have given what is best, your Son. May that transform how we live today. May we look at people around us and love them because Jesus so loved us that he didn't leave us where we deserved to stay forever. But he gave us water in that barren land. And he gives life through it now. Thank you, O Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm so thankful that you're able to join us today for this look at Psalm 84 and 85. Hope you'll be able to join us again tomorrow for Second Chronicles chapter 4. But in either case, I hope you'll have a blessed day in the Lord Jesus today.